Andrew Lee encouraged us when we were looking into the study on Isaiah to consider um, uh, looking at the St Helens Gate um, uh, website uh, in the UK because they had lots of resources on the book of Isaiah and we were basing our studies on their, uh, uh, their outline for Isaiah. <clears throat> and I did that, and uh, uh, I don't know if you have, but uh, there's some great uh, preachers there, uh, just outstanding Bible teachers, and uh, and they give a great insight to the book. So if you've got time, it would be helpful. People like David Jackman and Paul Clark, I've listened to, and uh, they um, they've really uh, uh, done a great job, and it's very helpful. And I'm sure if you took the time to do it, it would uh, give you a better insight into some of the aspects of the book. Now, uh, our title today was Waiting uh, But Not In Vain or Waiting For The Lord and uh, uh, waiting is never easy, of course. Um, What a mess the world is in when you think about it, uh, when you consider what's going on around about us. If if we are, uh, are so great as humans, I wonder why the world is in the mess that it's in. Uh, if you think about it, uh, if God is in control of the world, because we say that, well, you know, God is in control of everything, uh, then he hasn't done such a good job when you consider the way that the world is and, uh, and the things that are happening to us. Uh, we have famines and war and people are being kidnapped and abducted. Um, we have unjust legal systems. We have babies being ripped from their mother's wombs um, just for convenience sake, we have dictators in control of whole countries, uh, children losing their parents, drug dealers fighting for territorial control, the list goes on and on and on. Uh, The world that uh, we live in can be a very nasty place. Is that God's will? Absolutely not. It's not God's will that that's the way that the world is. And waiting for the Lord is never easy and uh, we are not always very patient. Uh, and in the messed up world, uh, he is there. Uh, will he act, we often wonder? Uh, can his promises be believed? Uh, the temptation, of course, is not to bother. Uh, we dig ourselves, we can dig ourselves out of the mess because God may not turn up and so we decide not to live by faith but by sight. Uh, which brings us to today's message. Now, McCrindle Research, that's a group out of Sydney, um, in 2020, uh, they did some research here in Australia, and uh, I quote, we conducted several national studies through the year to understand how the Australians have been affected by the challenge and change of the COVID-19 pandemic. Our research shows many Australians have been feeling anxious, frustrated, vulnerable uh, as a consequence of the health, economic and social impacts of COVID-19. We have found that two in five Australians have felt the biggest negative impact of COVID-19 socially, missing the human connection with family and friends, which is, of course, what Susanna just shared to us. Uh, In times of crisis and social and economic disruption, people tend to reflect more deeply on what really matters. Half of of Australians say that they've thought more about the meaning of life and their mortality this year. 
This deepening of the inner life has seen an increase in spiritual and faith activities, with one in four Australians saying that they have engaged in more spiritual conversations and 28% reporting that they've been praying more. Hmm, interesting. Now, question is, what uh, spiritual or faith activities are Australians looking for and looking to? Whilst they might have been engaged, what are they being engaged with? Well, Isaiah 8 and 19 tells us, when men tell you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Now, the message from Isaiah today is as relevant to us today, and up to date for the moment in Isaiah's day or in our day. Um, it's just incredible, really, that nothing has changed down through the centuries and, uh, and, and the needs of the world today are the same as the needs of Isaiah's world. The question is, um, when we are surrounded by nominal faith and weak and compromising church and government leadership, in a general sense, how should we live? Now, God warns Isaiah not to be sucked in by the faithlessness that he sees all around him in Judah, but to stand apart from it. And so he uh, he says in chapter 8 and verse 11, The Lord spoke to me with his strong hand upon me, and he warned me not to follow in the ways of this people. God warned Ahaz and Judah to stand firm in the faith, and they failed to do so. So God... Uh, says to his prophet Isaiah and through his prophet to us today all around you my people disown me and they despise my word and doesn't that sound like the world that we live in people despise anything that's related to God today but the challenge is don't follow their ways or adopt their lifestyles we are called to be different now, chapter 7, we saw Isaiah is the king of the little kingdom of Judah. He's in Jerusalem, the capital city, and he's trying to reign as a king in this hostile environment. Ahaz and his people are looking for political security from the oppressors that are all around them. The northern kingdom of Israel uh, was once the united kingdom of Judah. That united kingdom is now split, as Sam told us, uh, and they are now opposed to Judah and they have called in an ally in the king of Assyria. Now their plan is to squeeze little Judah in the south until she submits and then they'll divide the, her treasures amongst themselves uh, and they will uh, put in a puppet ruler to Beal uh, in place of uh, Isaiah, uh, Ahaz. It's all there if you go back to chapter six, 7 and verse 6, things that Sam shared with us last week. Invasion, destruction, carnage, distress, suffering. It's a decision day for Ahaz. What is he going to do? Where will he go for help? Who will he trust? Uh, the prophet Isaiah comes along and says to him, you must trust God. Now, Isaiah has a direct message from God uh, for Ahaz in chapter 7, verse 7. But what you fear, he says, will not happen. Now, verse 8 says, for the head of Aram is Damascus. The head of Damascus is only resin. He's just an ordinary man. And within 65 years, Ephraim... Um, 
the northern kingdom too, uh, will be too shattered to be a people. Uh, so all you have to do is wait for God to act and work out his plan. And here's the challenge for Ahaz in chapter 7, verse 9. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. Uh, God is going to destroy both kingdoms that have raised up against Judah. And Ahaz, all he has to do is to wait for God. Now, faith in God, faith in God's word is our only security in troubled times or in good times. Uh, Sadly, Ahaz has a plan and it does not involve waiting for God. Now, there's a bigger player coming onto the scene in chapter 8, Assyria. That's the dominant force of the day. Ahaz tries to suck up, really, to the emperor of Assyria and, predictably, Assyria's help comes, but at a very heavy price. Um, now, chapter, seven, uh, chapter 8, verse 7, Assyria comes like floodwaters and it engulfs the land and takes over. And you only had to watch the news last night to see what floodwaters do up there in New South Wales, those poor people's house floating on the river. I said to Mari, you know, you can't even imagine how they would feel. Uh, but Assyria came into this situation and they flooded right throughout the land uh, with, with devastating consequences. Where do you look for your security today? In the world around you or to God himself? In chapter 8 and verse 11, that is today's challenge. The Lord spoke to me with his strong hand upon me, warning me not to follow in the way of the people. Now, the way of this people sums up the wrong choices that Ahaz had made, and it's a timely warning to us too that we too can often follow the crowd rather than follow God. The, uh, this warning to Isaiah that even he could follow the way of this, this people, and this is very important, even Isaiah, the challenge was, could follow the way of the people, it must ring alarm bells for us, surely, because uh, if we are not careful and decisive, we'll find it easy to follow the way of the world. Um, and Isaiah, if he was challenged uh, how he was going to live, uh, so much so the challenge for us as well. Now, we need to guard against leaving God out of any area of our lives. We separate our lives, of course, often into spiritual and secular, and this can lead to the loss of God in all areas of our lives. Unless we are trusting God in every part of our lives, how do we know that we're going to trust him for anything? Uh, sadly, the way of the world is to try and ignore God and uh, do whatever seems right to the individual. Now, that's a very dangerous situation to drift into. Let me say it again. Unless we are trusting God in every part of our lives, how do we know that we will trust him for anything? Well, one reason why God is not trusted is that we fear everything rather than fear God. Chapter 8 and verse 12 down to 15 says, Do not call conspiracy anything that these people call conspiracy. Don't fear uh, what they fear. Don't dread it. The Lord Almighty is the one you are to regard as holy. He is the one that you are to fear. He is the one that you are to dread. 
Now, verse 12 says, It is clear conspiracy and fear was the way that the nations were dealing with each other. Now, this is not so different to the world that we live in today. Conspiracies abound. Nations still try to bully other nations. The media bombard us with health scares and global warming and rumours of war and trade sanctions and illness and COVID and racial issues. Um, China's placing all these sanctions on us. Every second day there's a protest against something. Uh, people are not happy with the world we live in. Uh, and uh, it's a mess. It's just a mess. Sadly, we start to walk by faith and not by sight. Uh, and we fear all sorts of things that might happen because we're not listening to God's word and we're not trusting what he promises. Now, Ahaz and the people looked everywhere rather than trust God. They looked to whatever situation they could, they could manufacture to solve their problem rather than trusting God. And tragedy, tragically, we believe anything rather than God's word and we fear anything rather than God's power. Have a look at chapter 8, verse 19. When men tell you to consult mediums and spiritualists who whisper and dead, uh, 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 who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Of course that's where we should be going. People are looking in all the wrong places for life's answers. The occult, tarot cards, spiritists, astrology, mystic religions. People are looking anywhere rather than to, uh, rather than what the Spirit of God says through the Word of God. And the, for a price, people will tell you today anything you want to hear. <clears throat> You can get any answer to any situation that you want and you can manufacture anything to suit your own way of thinking. But that's not what uh, God says we should be doing. Sooner or later, we, we are deceived by false uh, spirits. And uh, G.K. Chesterton put it this way, when men stop believing in God, they don't believe in nothing, they believe in anything. When men stop believing in God, they don't believe in nothing. They believe in anything. Now, if you do not listen to God's word, then, of course, you will believe anything. And Judah's leadership rejected God's word through Isaiah, and their request for security ended up with depressingly predictable results. Look at the results in chapter 8, verse uh, 21 and 22. Distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land. Verse 22 then. Uh, they will look towards the earth and see only distress and darkness, fearful gloom, and they will be thrust into utter darkness. This is the life if we don't listen to God. Full of stress, um, characterised by uh, an endless longing for more, which leads to addiction and all the complexities of our time. How sad to see that a dear old lady sitting on her church steps this week um, assaulted um, by a a drug-affected homeless man. People are looking for purpose and for meaning, but they look for it in all of the wrong places. Distress, hunger, restlessness... They will roam through our land, never satisfied and always looking for more because mankind has turned his back on God. 
Now, verse 21 says, looking upwards, they will curse their king and their God. It's God's fault. It's somebody else's fault. It's the government's fault. But it's never our fault. It's always somebody else's fault. What a sad picture, and yet it's true of the society we live in. School children this week in Richmond having to dodge around drug dealers, use syringes and a dead body. That's the world we live in. Uh, And those people are looking for answers. All because people are trying to escape with drugs and the sad reality of life without God. Nothing has changed. All down through the centuries, Ahaz and the people of Judah had to face it. Isaiah had to confront it and we too. Uh, today must recognise what life is like if we turn our back on God. Now, what Isaiah is saying to his generation and by extension to us this morning, that is what you get if you don't listen to God. Now, Isaiah stood for a different way of living. In chapter 8, verse 17, he says, I will wait for the Lord. I will put my trust in him. Now, this brings us to chapter 9, which um, did you sense sort of uh, the darkness lifting as Colleen read when you went from chapter 8 to chapter 9, of course. um, It it was great to just see the tempo change. Now, chapter 9, verse 2, brings such a contrast to chapter 8. The people walking in darkness have now seen a great light. There is hope. Uh, to those living in the land in the shadow of death, light has dawned on them. And here is another view of life, uh, another way of living, waiting for the Lord, believing his word, trusting in God. Here is the light at the end of the tunnel for these people, God revealing his future plans and all they had to do was trust him and wait. Um, chapter 8 verse 16 and 17 uh, says bind up the testimony seal up the law amongst my disciples I will wait for the Lord I will put my trust in him verse 18 here am I and the children the Lord has given me we are signs and symbols of the Lord Almighty Uh, this is Isaiah and those who believe in God standing firm the testimony is that which God has on oath confirmed in his word, sealed so that nobody can change it. This is the word about the future, about God's plans and his purposes for his people. And even though his face is hidden from them now, it's only hidden because of their unbelief and their lack of faith. Now, Isaiah knows that if he and a few faithful believers trust and obey God, he will... Uh, keep and fulfil his promises and they and we will of course be the richer for it. God is now revealing his master plan in chapter 9. A son is given. He was briefly introduced right back in chapter 7 verse 14 uh, as Emmanuel, God with us. Uh, his other names uh, come to us in verses 6 and 7 in chapter 9. He will be the challenge through which, uh, the channel through which uh, all the promises um, faithful people have waited for will be fulfilled. God is shining his light into the very darkest of places, bringing hope 
where there is despair, giving certainty where there is insecurity and life where there is only destruction. This is what God is going to do. Uh, when people uh, are at the end of themselves in complete darkness, they begin to value the light of God. Now, in verse 1 of chapter 9, blackness and darkness is spread across Zebulun and Naphtali, and they were in the northern areas of Israel, uh, which were the first to experience the invading Assyrian army. Uh, Galilee was a very dark place in those days. It was called Galilee of the Gentiles because geographically it was the crossroad, north and south and east and west of that then world. Now, into the melting pot of humanity, God has a special promise for every tribe and nation. Uh, in that area, God is going to shine his light into the land in the shadow of death, as we find in verse 2. And that light will shine when the child of verse 6 is born. Everything in this paragraph in chapter 9 depends on his arrival. Look at the things that his arrival will usher in. Verse 3 in chapter 9, joy in the place of sadness when the child is born. Uh, joy when the harvest comes. Joy like the great military victory because the enemy is defeated. Verse 4, this child will bring deliverance. Those who oppose and plunder God's purpose people will be overcome. This child will bring peace. Battle clothes and armaments will no longer be needed because this child will bring peace in the place of conflict. Do you long for that joy, freedom, fulfilment in the place of where there was darkness? This is the place where the Assyrian army is about to sweep in, pillage and plunder the land and the people. And yet Isaiah says into this, wait for the Lord. This was 700 years. Get, don't forget this. This is 700 years before Jesus was born. That's why the Bible can be trusted. We, you know, this was a, this was a prediction of what God was going to bring about and we saw its fulfillment in the birth of Jesus. God being faithful to all that he had promised to Abraham that through his seed all the nations of the world would be blessed and it's starting. There is going to be a child born, a son given who will be the answer to all of the questions about purpose and security and God's sovereignty in the world. What should we think about uh, we should think about these verses 6 and 7 uh, all the time, not just at Christmas. Uh, they point us to God's ultimate answer for the longing for security. A king who will be the king of kings, unlike the miserable failure that Ahaz turned out to be. His government will be a government for the people, a government of justice and righteousness and peace. And of the increase of his governance, there will there'll be no end. Uh, and he will reign on David's throne and he will usher in peace that will never end. What's our response today to a king like that? Wouldn't you want to trust him? Wouldn't you want to obey his word? Or wouldn't you want to experience his joy, his freedom, his peace? Why wouldn't anybody want to live under a king like that? Of course. Verse 6 tells us that this wonderful king will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And the names teach us about the nature of this king. 
In chapter 7, verse 14, he was called Emmanuel, God with us, God and man together. And in chapter 9, verse 6, he is the wonderful counsellor, the one who is the ruler of wisdom and what comfort that gives to his followers. He is the mighty God, the victorious hero, ruling with divine power. He is the everlasting father, eternal God will be our guardian. A father who loves us unconditionally. Prince of peace, a sovereign ruler who can bring peace, shalom, uh, which only God can give. Peace expresses what God can bring into our lives, forgiveness of sin, restoration and salvation for all eternity. This is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ who is coming to rescue those who put their faith in him. Rule on this earth with all power and authority of the Godhead. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. If you hear my voice, don't harden your heart. Um, Through his death, he has made uh, peace between humanity and God. He has rescued us from sin and death and hell. In his resurrection and ascension, he has provided his sovereign power and his eternal kingdom will have no end. He will come again to judge the living and the dead and to bring to eternal life with him forever all those who have waited for him. No wonder Isaiah said we should wait for the Lord. Um, All who have taken a stand to follow Jesus and obey his commands can look forward to the coming king. I hope today that uh, God has shined a light out of darkness into our hearts, reminding us that God uh, can be trusted and that his word can be obeyed. So what are you going to do this week? Will you trust him more? Will you seek to follow his ways? Or will you be like Ahaz and do it your own way? The choice is yours. Our time is gone, so we'll close. Um, I was thinking when I was preparing this message, I couldn't get the old hymn, The King is Coming. And when I say old hymn, it was only written in 1970 by Bill and Gloria Gaither. So it's not all that old. And we were going to play it, but we won't now. Uh, the marketplace is empty. There's no more traffic in the street. The builder's tools are silent. No more harvesting wheat. Busy housewives come uh, cease their labour in the courtroom. No debate. Work on earth is here suspended. As the king comes through the gate, oh, the king is coming. The king is coming. I just heard the trumpet sounding. And now his face I see, the king is coming. Praise God, he's coming for me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. May it be quick and powerful in our hearts today and encourage us to trust you more, to wait for you to work out your plan in each of our lives individually, to submit to your purposes and to trust you that one day the king is coming the Lord of Lord and King of Kings, will will return. Help us to look forward to that, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.